بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا in the next hadith from Bulugh al-Maram this hadith concerns vomiting and عن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من ذرعه القي فلا قضاء عليه ومن ومن استقاء فعليه القضاء رواه الخمسة وأعله أحمد وقواه الدارقطني narrated by Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu that Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said whoever has a sudden attack of vomiting while fasting does not have to make up the fast there is no qada on him but whoever vomits intentionally must make up the day Whoever vomits intentionally must make up the day. Reported by Al-Khamsa, and Al-Ahmad found it defective, and Al-Dalakutni graded it as strong. Vomiting is known. Food and drink come out from the stomach because of a cause, and sometimes without a cause. So when it is not uh, intentional, when a sudden attack of vomiting occurs, then there is no makeup. Even if this is in Ramadan, and woman is taqa, however, who ever vomits intentionally must make up the day. From the benefits of the hadith is that first. The person is excused regarding that which overcomes him. Everything that overcomes the individual and it's not in his, uh, by his choice and he is not considered liable uh, except in that which is between the individual and people, i.e. the rights of others. Then in this case, it's not something forgiven, meaning it must be fulfilled. Meaning, so, example, if you are compelled to set a person's house on fire, or his wealth, then you are liable. And if you are compelled, oh, excuse me, we have a visitor here hold a second this is Ibrahim and he's checking out so got to go alright let's continue shall we so uh, if someone compels you to beat someone and you did then if there was harm then you are liable I mean and if someone carries you lifts you then strikes you against another one and then he dies in this case there is no liability on you because the action is not yours now you are just like a tool and so if 
the person uh, is hurt by this strike and you are hurt then the one who did that is liable for both the next benefit the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning his creation why because if the stomach becomes empty this will lead to hunger and thirst and therefore to weakness of the body and so it is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if the person intentionally vomits intentionally then he must make up the day meaning that he invalidated his fast and it, if it is for something with a need he, he did that because of a need then let him eat and drink the rest of his day but if there was no need and it occurred in Ramadan then it's a must upon him to refrain in order to protect the time in order to, to, to respect the time and it is therefore binding on him also to make up that day uh, the next thing is that it must be real vomiting it must not be a belch uh, or, or, or a burb filling uh, what is less than the mouth's uh, fill this happens sometimes some people stuff their stomach completely and if he burbs something of the stomach pops up because this burbing is gas carries with it what it carries to the mouth now what comes from this action is not vomiting and therefore it does not invalidate the fasting and it does not also cause any weakness to the body as what as uh, the vomiting does now also from this we learn that whoever vomits by any means while he is fasting then that uh, breaks his fast and validates his fast and from the means is if he puts his fingers in his mouth and then vomits uh, or if he puts something to in his mouth reaches his throat and he dislikes it uh, he may also look at something which makes him disgusting cannot uh, stand and that leads him to vomit he may smell something bad and makes him vomit uh, he may remember something bad or disliked by him and that makes him vomit uh, so the means are different and we learn also from this that whoever invalidates his fast from the obligatory fast then it's obligatory upon him to make it up whether it is from Ramadan or an expiatory fast uh, a kafara an expiation or from an expiation like that of 
the harm in uh, in Hajj. Uh, because the uh, the expiation in that case is uh, the fasting or charity, uh, the sadaqah or the nusuk, the sacrifice. So now with this with this narration, with this narration, uh, the invalidators uh, had been completed. First, eating. Second drinking let's have them shall written first eating those that were covered so far eating uh, drinking uh, intercourse and uh, all of these are in the Quran all of these are in the Quran mentioned fourth that which is related to eating fourth that which is relating related to eating uh, the fifth is uh, the ejaculation of uh, semen upon uh, fondling uh, what about this is the, these are the five what about ejaculation arising due to thinking without any uh, direct uh, fondling like uh, someone whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him strong uh, desires for uh, the jima' for sexual intercourse and he thinks about it that he is uh, having intercourse with his wife a strong thinking and then he ejaculates without any action does this invalidate the fasting or not? The answer is it doesn't. It does not invalidate the fasting. And the evidence for this is in the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, "Inna Allah tajawaz an ummati ma haddathat bihi anfusha ma lam ta'mal aw tatakallam." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has forgiven. Has forgiven my followers and this is Sahih Bukhari volume 7 uh, book 63 and hadith 194 Allah has forgiven my followers the evil thoughts that occur to their minds as long as such thought or such thoughts are not put into action or uttered not put into action or uttered and in this case the one who is thinking about the sexual intercourse did not act and did not utter however if there was action on his part like kissing or hugging or moving his private part and the like then this invalidates his fasting this invalidates his fasting now the sixth one is the hijama, the hijama, the cupping, the cupping in accordance with the uh, correct opinion. The seventh is vomiting, vomiting meaning intentional vomiting. Now there remains an eighth and ninth concerning women particularly.
and that is natural blood having menses or postnatal bleeding both invalidate the fasting this is particular to women now what about if a woman uh, feels at the time of sunset that her menses she feels the symptoms of her menses beginning uh, but there was no uh, blood release until after sunset until after sunset there is nothing upon her because none of this menstrual or menstrual yes none of this natural blood of menses uh, came until after the sunset and the Prophet said concerning the woman having wet dream عليها الغسل إذا رأت الماء غسل taking a bath on her is obligatory if she sees the ma the ma meaning the discharge and however what is apparently famous with or widespread amongst women is that if the menstruation begins after the adhan of maghrib and before salat al-maghrib then here fasting is invalid this has no basis you understand this is widespread amongst women that if her menses she gets her menses after Adhan al-Maghrib and before Salat al-Maghrib then this invalidates her fasting this has no basis this has no basis now from so far the author Rahimahullah Al-Hafid Ibn Hajar Rahimahullah uh, finished the the uh, citation of the narrations containing that which invalidates and that which does not invalidate the fasting and this was explained our Shaykh Rahimahullah had mentioned that this was explained uh, thoroughly as you have heard based on evidences from the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet and he Rahimahullah said this is what I invite you and invite myself to meaning that verification must be regarding the rulings either an affirmation or negation must be based on the book and the, the sunnah because this is what we are going to be asked about on the day of resurrection as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-qasas 65 verse 65 surah al-qasas وَيَوْمَ يُنَادِيهِمْ فَيَقُولُ مَاذَا أَجَبْتُمُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ And remember the day Allah will call to them and say What answer gave you to the messengers? We make good use of what the scholars rahimahullah, mentioned in their books And what they deducted from the book and the sunnah So therefore as you notice this does not mean we neglect What the previous scholars had stated 
but rather we consider nevertheless we don't make it supersede the book and the sunnah so whatever is affirmed from the ruling meaning that is affirmed from based on the book and the sunnah then we stop and the good is what is evident by the book and the sunnah and that if someone says for example you're saying that if the person eats or drinks after dawn due to ignorance that there is nothing upon him then this will lead people to be negligent and then they will delay the sahur the answer is this does not entail this because we don't say to the people take your sahur meal and continue eating until the sun rises or the like also for those who say you have made it permissible for the fasting person to fondle and to kiss and this, this, this will lead the people to be negligent uh, regarding their fasting and the fasting person will come and fondle and kiss and you know and then you say that the Mahdi does not invalidate the fasting so he will have the Mahdi and he will not care the answer is let it be as this is a matter which Allah had permitted on the tongue of his messenger وسلم, then it is not permissible for us to make it restricted on people this is a foundation which the student of knowledge must follow. This was the comment by our Shaykh following the uh, end of the discussion on what has preceded regarding the in, what invalidates and what does not invalidate the fasting. Then the author began citing the narrations regarding the ruling on a fasting or fasting in trouble fasting in trouble is not wajib is not an obligation even if it's in the midst of Ramadan because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 184 وَمَنْ كَانَ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِّنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ Observing fasting for a fixed number of days but if any of you is ill or on a journey the same number should be made from the other days and there is no difference whether the person finds it difficult or does not the mere travel, the mere travel, listen, the mere travel permits the breaking, however, with the following of details. It can be makruh, it can be detested, it can be permissible, and it can be haram, as will be explained. Now comes the, a major point what is considered to be travel such that the dispensation or the permit is affirmed regarding it 
is it any kind of trouble or is it the trouble by which the person covers a certain distance or the like there is no doubt that no specification of the distance in the Quran or on the Sunnah was mentioned neither 16 farsakh and the farsakh is 3 miles so 16 times 3 equals uh, 48 miles and times 1.68 that will be around 80 81 kilos there was no mentioning of 80 or 81 more or less but these were specific situations which encountered the Prophet ﷺ and he troubled them for example in the hadith of Anas which is in Sahih Muslim the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he uh, traveled or went on a journey of three miles or three farsakh he prayed two rak'ah and we know that the three farsakh is more than three miles it does not even reach the 16 farsakh i.e. the 80 kilos so how can we therefore look at the traveling it is to be looked upon in terms of what constitutes travel by what people consider to be travel why? because whatever has anything that was not specified its degree or its extent not specified in the Quran or in the Sunnah so then in this case the Urf will be the criteria the Urf, the convention and if you also examine the matter then you will find that specifying a particular distance is something that's not possible why? because those who restricted to a certain distance Allah and may Allah forgive them and reward them with good uh, they specify it to miles or farasikh and arm spans fingers uh, horses hair uh, would one think that the Prophet limited the distance by this meaning taking for example I am here and you are there and I did not reach the specified distance because between you and me now there is 20 hands span and so I cannot combine nor shorten and I cannot break the fast while you on the other side may do so and this is not possible and if we take by the measures that they took like sha'arat uh, al-faras the hair of a horse so if there is between you and me a hair's a horse's hair and I am from this end of the town and you are from the other end so I am a traveler and you are not this is not possible 
شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية رحمه الله said that at the time of the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام there were no surveyors land surveyors putting measures with these kinds of measures no land surveyors spanning the earth with these measures so therefore accordingly the closest opinion is what Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah chose he said that this is what legislator had generalized and what he what the legislator generalizes without specification of limits then the reference and the criteria is the urf the convention but if someone asks the question conventions are not uh, may not be precise meaning some people would say this is trouble and others say no this is not trouble we say whoever finds that this he is not in a trouble then he should not shorten and whoever sees that he is in trouble should shorten but if someone now comes and says but this will cause differences amongst people this one shortens the other does not we say as occurred from differences regarding the invalidators of wudu for example someone thinks that touching the private part generally even unintentionally breaks the wudu and so he must make the wudu the others say no so you see this making wudu the other not making the wudu taking also two people one of them eating from camel's meat on the same table sharing the same meal one of them saying this does not necessitate wudu meaning eating from the camel's meat the other say the other says no it must there is nothing in this even even more uh, strong situations are now two people exert the effort while they are out in the wilderness regarding the direction of the Qibla one of them saying the Qibla is to the right the other saying the Qibla is to the left and each one of them praying his own direction although this is a great difference so what's important regarding the matters of difference each one will be held responsible before Allah if someone says I see that this is trouble and the other says I don't see a trouble we say Alhamdulillah so you if you don't see the trouble and if you are an imam then pray for and the other must pray for following you if he was ma'mum and the opposite is true if he sees that it is trouble and you don't see that it is trouble then we say in this case if he prays two rakah then you stand up and complete the salah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-hajj 22-78 وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ and has not laid Allah has not laid uh, upon you in religion any hardship so the matter is 
it's not problematic at all because the matters of difference of opinion when there is no when there is no uh, decisive text then Allah does not burden its all beyond its scope so therefore now you have heard as to what determines the matter to be a journey or a travel of journey, a journey of travel or not scholars had opinions regarding this and the preponderating opinion is to say as long as there is no specification in the book and in the sunnah then the criteria would be the convention the second matter is the period beyond which a travel or a journey is not considered to be a travel beyond which the ruling of travel is lifted let us put it this way also this is something disagreed upon between the scholars example a traveler sits in Mecca for Umrah four days for Umrah for four days another sits for ten days another twenty another completes the month and still another sits for two days and leaves when is the ruling of suffer of travel is discontinued regarding them and then when it is to be said to this you must fast and that you must complete this is something of a difference of opinion amongst the scholars and Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah mentioned in his book Al-Majmu' that the scholars differed regarding this matter on about 20 or more sayings and this is an ikhtilaf in one case why? because there is no explicit, authentic dalil decisive and that's why each expressed what he thinks to be the opinion either by analogy or generality or the like we return now to the origins and say there isn't in the book of Allah nor in the sunnah of the messenger وسلم, that whoever intends to stay such and such period then the rulings regarding the travel discontinue regarding this person and therefore whatever is entailed upon the resident is entailed upon him now rather we find that in the Quran in the noble Quran there is generality and in the sunnah we see different periods of staying in the journeys no restriction to a particular one to be the journey of travel let's take what's in the Quran in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 101 and when you Muslims travel in the land there is no sin on you if you shorten your salah 
Allah didn't say except for this and that. There was there is no exception. Can you see that? Is there any exception? Except for this or that? Or it's general. When you Muslim travel in the land, then there is no sin in you if you shorten your salah. So we take by the generality, as long as therefore we are traveling in the land, then we shorten. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also in Surah Al-Muzzammil, Surah Al-Muzzammil verse 20, Allah knows that there will be among you sick others traveling through the land seeking of Allah's bounty yet others fighting in Allah's cause so when he said subhanahu wa ta'ala among you others traveling through the land they are, what? The business people, people of trade. And we know that the people of trade, the merchant may stay in a place for one day and return, or two days, or three days, or ten days, or half a month, or a month, intending for his business and profit, and then return. It may be that the business, when he arrives, is not profitable at the beginning so he stays and waits and it may be that the article he intends to buy is not present when he arrives and the owner tells him that it will come within the next 10 days and so he waits so therefore the ayah is general the verse is general clear? Now, with regarding to the Sunnah, regarding to the Sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ stayed in Tabuk, in Tabuk, when he went to meet the armies of the Christians. He stayed in Tabuk 20 days, shortening the prayer to Raqqa. And he stayed in Mecca the year of the opening of Mecca he stayed 19 days praying the shortened prayer of two rak'ah and he broke the fast because he opened Mecca in Ramadan and he broke he, he broke the fasting the rest of the month and during the farewell during the farewell pilgrimage he stayed 10 days and when Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu was asked as in Sahih al-Bukhari كم أقمتم بمكة عام حجة الوداع How long did you stay in Mecca during the farewell pilgrimage? He said أقمنا عشرة We stayed ten And this is because they arrived on the fourth day and left on the fourteenth day So this is ten days All of them during, all, during these days he shortened, shortened the prayer to two rak'ah and took by the permits and dispensations of travel and there came from him no single letter saying oh Ummat Muhammad oh the nation of Muhammad if you intend to stay a period of such and such then 
complete the salah or so on and so on. So therefore the matter stays as unrestricted, general. Clear? This is from the Sunnah. Now if someone says <coughs> the if someone says the time period is limited to four days limited to four days so we ask what is your proof he will say my proof is that the Prophet ﷺ came to Mecca in the farewell pilgrimage and it was the last travel he traveled he came on the fourth day and it was Sunday Sunday and he stayed he stayed before going to Mina before going to Mina he stayed four days shortening the Salah you see that? <coughs> you heard what they think to be their, their Dalil okay? the answer is this is fit to be a Dalil on you more that more than it fits to be Dalil meaning Dalil against you more than it fits to be a Dalil for you why? because the Prophet wasallam knew that from the people there will be those who will come to Mecca before the fourth day and he didn't say oh people whoever comes before the fourth day then let him complete his salah you see that? you see that? he didn't say this because there were people who will come before the fourth day and by Allah had this been an obligatory matter he would what? he would have no choice but to convey it to the ummah right? because the ummah understands since he came since he came on the fourth day but he didn't say that whoever came before this day let him complete then the Ummah understand that the meaning there is no limit that's the point ya Umar no limit why? because some of the people will come for Hajj on the fourth day some will come on the third some will come even in Dhul Qaeda right? and the Hajj are what? Ashur Ma'lumat known specified months, right? it begins, they begin from the first day of Shawwal this is one now we know also from you know what Anas bin Malik had mentioned Anas knew more understanding in the Sharia and more knowledgeable concerning the uh, situations of the Prophet that he stayed in Mecca how long? how long? we learned this earlier how long did he stay in Mecca? ten ten days ten days in Mecca in Mecca now so it becomes clear therefore that this hadith does, cannot be uh, evidence for them but rather uh, uh, to the contrary also take another thing let's talk about Tabuk when Tabuk is mentioned and when the opening of Mecca is mentioned they answered by the following 
he did not intend to stay for days. Rather, every day he said, we will return. The answer to say is, yeah, we say, Subhanallah al-Azim. He remains facing the massive armies of the Christians and say, and you say, he may return in the same day. This is not possible. There will be waiting, period. At least will be ten days. And that's why he stayed ten days but didn't return. And he wouldn't return while see the enemies in front of him, except after communications and after giving up on the battle. And this does not take place in four days, and not even in five. Similarly, in the opening of Mecca, he stayed ten, 19 days in the opening of Mecca. So, would it be comprehended, therefore, that the Prophet ﷺ does not know that he should return to the Medina in the same day or stay for 19 days? Not knowing the opening of Mecca. Opening of Mecca, 19 days. So, rather, we know he would stay 10 days at least because opening of Mecca Mecca was a land of shirk and he wanted to establish the foundations of Islam and he sent whomever he sent to destroy Allah and Al-Uzza and others would it be comprehensible to say he didn't intend to stay more than four days this is غير معقول incomprehensible so, if the Prophet ﷺ stayed different periods in travel while taking by the rulings of travel, then we say, as long as the person is traveling in the land and on his journey, then he is Musafir. Musafir. Our Shaykh Rahimahullah said, and this is what I see and I believe to be the case, and that one should not sway away from this. And the person will be accountable for what he understands from the texts. And we have also a president in this. The first, the Messenger وسلم, did not specify, and by Allah, had he specified, then we must say by it, and then how could then we restrict on the people what Allah had made accommodating for them? We, could, we couldn't. Secondly, the companions. The companions are Sahaba, Ibn Umar. Maybe Allah, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. He stayed in Azerbaijan. You know Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan. Okay. He stayed in... No, Azerbaijan. You, know, you don't know Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan. 
نيا الرشا يس نيا الرشا and close to this Armenia right now yes okay that's it he stayed in Azerbaijan six months shortening the Salah he was held by snow it's cold weather there Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu anhuma is known to be cautionary from the most of the companions in that and holding to the sunnah he stayed he stayed six months in Azerbaijan um, shortening the salah held by the snow now does the snow melt in four days so that he could proceed does it does it answer four days in these lands but rather the days increase it in strength nevertheless he he shortened yet we know that he is most keen about following the sunnah right and we know for sure that he would not be able to travel except after melting of the snow when the winter is over and spring arrives right so this is more than four days right Sheikh al-Islam also says by the same opinion Ibn al-Qayyim says by the same thing many of the Aimat al-Da'wah scholars who were on the same Da'wah of Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab during his time and after say by the same thing and make it permissible and our Sheikh Abdul Rahman Al-Sa'di also says by this and this is the practical thing anyway this is an introduction concerning the topic since the author will talk about the narrations concerning the travel so this was an important introduction by our Shaykh Rahimahullah as a prelude to the narrations that will come so we will stop here and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a benefit for all of us Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa taslima kathira